Like all I need is Tecmo Super Bowl. I don't need a lot. Typically I need some NCAA College Football 97. It's so bad though. <laughs> I, yeah, it was fun playing the Throwing time. with Steve Sarkeesian to Kaipo McGuire and K.O. Kalalui. Yeah. And yeah. They were in the alumni game. Yeah. How fun is that? Awesome, man. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. The man you just saw we have in studio with us now, Luke Anderson, making his BYUSN debut three home run day, Luke. (laughs) And two doubles. What a day. Oh, yeah, there's that too. 16 total bases. Incredible. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I don't know what you did for your warm-up or if, like, there are superstitions (laughs) at play, but... Keep doing that. <laughs> Are you know. a superstitious guy? Um, kind of, not really. Me and my roommate like try to do this. Like if we do good, we try to do the same thing every morning. But I mean, I didn't do the same thing as the day before, so it worked out perfect. Okay, walk us through that first at bat and that first homer because you hadn't hit a homer in BYU. That's your first, and that's a special moment. Um, what do you remember from the first homer? Um, <laughs> honestly, I was just trying to go to that, into that game. I mean, I had like an 0 for four night that night before with three strikeouts but I was just trying to hit the ball hard and I got in a hitter's count 2-1 count so I was just like looking for a fastball and it, thank goodness he put it over the plate and when it goes so over ready. the fence what's that feeling like as your first homer in college oh it's unbelievable it was it's way better than any home run I've ever hit in my life so it was it was a great feeling a lot of guys run really fast after their first home run did you have to tell yourself slow down Enjoy the moment. Or were you just like, just get to home plate? <laughs> um, I was running around the base. Like, I just, I don't know. It was my first homer, so I was just trying to, <laughs> not trying to go slow, but not trying to go too fast. But You're like, I've been here before. Oh, wait, I haven't. Uh, first one in college. <laughs> I'm super excited. Okay, walk us through the second one. Um, so I hit my first one, and I was just like, okay, I'm just going to go up. Same approach, like hit the ball hard. And I got another good pitch right right down the middle, so I just had to put a good swing on it. Okay, you see that ball go, go over the fence. At that point, you're telling yourself, okay, I'm, I'm definitely in the zone, or, or have you not bought into that idea just yet? Um, I, was, uh, I was pretty shocked, honestly. Like, I knew I hit it good, but I didn't know I had the distance on it. So after that, I was just, when I got in the dugout, I was just telling myself, I'm like, okay, well, just keep going good with your at-bats. Like, keep hitting the ball hard. Like, don't try to hit another one, but... Yeah, that was just my approach after that. So, luckily, you then uh, ended the day and it was good. No, wait, there's a third. Um, When that third one goes over, are you like, is this just the best day of my life or what? No, literally, it it probably was the best day of my life. Best day of baseball I've ever had, honestly. But, um, yeah, that last one, I didn't know if I had a chance because I popped it. I thought I just popped it straight up. But, I don't know, it had everything I had in me, so... It's nice. You got to West Coast Conference play, and something has switched. I mean, you've, you've been a, a little bit of a different player since conference play started. What has changed since you got into the WCC play? Um, I think for the first little bit, um, I was a bit just, like, jumpy or anxious and just, like, trying to do too much almost. So, like, after just – I mean, I sat on the bench for probably, like, two weeks, and then as soon as I got my shot back to play, like, I just felt, like, super relaxed, like, like – everything was was going to be like okay like I'm a good player so like I and I knew that 
So I was just had to like tell myself like, hey, like don't try to do too much and all that. Certainly validating uh, to hit the three homers. And you have the two doubles. Mm -hmm. uh, walk us through those two because five extra base hits in one game is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so on my, my third at bat was my double. Um, I was just, like, my whole approach that whole day was just trying to hit it hard. And um, I hit that, my third at bat, I hit it pretty good. And I was pretty excited that I hit a double or hit it at least because who know like after two home runs like you think like oh this kid's not probably gonna <laughs> get another hit or anything or try to hit another one so it was nice and then that last one i thought the last one was gonna go foul because it was tailing off to the to the right because it was going to right field but it stayed in there which was nice ground rule double i thought you were going to get a triple if that stayed in yeah i was i was thinking You've... triple i was running hard and then <laughs> we're like, talking cycle and then it's like oh could we get one more at bat a six that bad <laughs> but you guys are up by too much you know you're probably not going to extras but if you hit around, I mean that, yeah, it was gnarly. Being in the crowd, it was just every time you got up to the plate after that second home, it was like, what's gonna happen? It was exciting. It was exciting. What was the reception like on your phone and from your friends and family following the game? Oh, it was going nuts because I don't think my friends or family have ever seen me have a game like that ever. So it was, it was, it was crazy. Have you had a three-homer game before in your life? Never. First one. Uh, yeah. You probably had multi-homer games. Yeah, I've had a two-home run, a couple two-home run games, but never three. Never a three. That's wild. Mm -hmm. And you're a true freshman. You're the Gatorade Player of the Year out of Snow Canyon down in St. George. Um, we were talking before we started the interview. You had Tommy John surgery the fall of your senior year, mm -hmm. and you DH'd only your senior year, and you still won Gatorade Player of the Year. How'd you do that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of like having that surgery took me like away from baseball and it was just super hard so like being able to battle back from that and then them telling me I wasn't going to be able to play my senior year was like kind of hard so I just like tried to do everything I could to to um, get to where I was able to play so I think all that like hard work that I put in like countless hours that I put in um, really helped me. So you were told you couldn't play your senior year? Yeah, well, not like told, but like halfway through, basically. Yeah. So I was just like, I don't know, I was super bummed out. But you figured out how to at least bat. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Get That's onto cool, the man. field somehow. And Gatorade play there. Were you already uh, committed to BYU at that point? Yeah. Okay. I committed like my sophomore year. Okay, so early. So BYU was like, listen, no worries, Tommy John, we got you after that. So you kind of had that confidence of like, regardless of what happens, I'm... Yeah, good for the I was a step. little scared of that, but that BYU coaches, might pull it. Yeah, but the coaches, we were, yeah, and were, the coaching change, cool and it, yeah, yep. they yep. were cool. Luke Anderson of BYU Baseball is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You're a warm weather guy. You're from St. George. Finally, there was some decent weather in Provo. Wait, is that what happened, Luke? Is, is, was it that, got warm and you got hot? That's what everyone's saying. That <laughs> St. George weather hit, and now, now I like this is what I know, something. and this is what I do. Oh. <laughs> it was it was really warm too. My in-laws got like sunburned, um, you know, but they're from Portland. They haven't seen the sun since like 2020. It's, been, it's crazy. Um, what, what was sort of the best part of that whole experience for you of of that amazing day? That hopefully you'll top in the future, but that's pretty good. Um. I just honestly the best part of it was that my my parents got to come up for it. Um, they haven't came to a game like that I've played in because they live in St. George and they both work. But it was awesome to have them there. First game them. of the season. Uh, they came or first to first home game. Yeah, first home game they've came to. Wow, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Wow. Okay, so again, warm weather. 
You need your parents there. Easter weekend. We need to make this happen. The Masters somehow <laughs> played into this. Yeah, it's awesome. Walk us through your path to BYU. Why did you opt for BYU and, and choose BYU, as we just learned, relatively early on? Um, they've always kind of been my, my dream school. And um, the coaches have helped out a lot with that. Like, they've been, like, recruiting me at a young age and not, like, they believed in me at a young age, and that shows a lot. And they were like my first school that talked to me. And I think that's really big, that they were like the first people to reach out. And yeah. Why number 11? It's in your Twitter handle, so it must matter to you. Um, like, I don't know. Like I said before, like, I asked for number one when I was like eight years old, and they messed up and put 11. So <laughs> I've just been 11 ever since. <laughs> That's What's awesome. better than one number one? Two number ones. Two number right? ones. Exactly. I'm not only one. You're double number I'm one. Both exactly. One. <laughs> <laughs> and that series was uh, obviously critical for, for BYU. Yeah. You needed Huge. to win a series in West Coast Conference play. Mm-hmm. How does that help a team's mentality when you have been struggling to close out series? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, we've struggled. But, like, our record looks pretty bad, but really our like losses have been just so close like there's been a few games where it's like oh they they really stepped on us but there's been a, a lot of games where it's been really close and just little mistakes that's happened but this series was super big because they were the team ahead of us and then we beat them and now we're just in front of them and I think our momentum will just keep going because I think this series like showed a lot of us like what we are actually capable of doing and yeah. yeah, trying to make that top six, get to the WCC tournament in Vegas, certainly the goal. Yeah. Uh, you play Utah Tech tomorrow night. Uh, do you have some homies on uh, Utah Tech? Yeah, I have, lot, guys? I have a lot of friends on them. <laughs> any any text exchange uh, over the weekend with yeah, those guys? Yeah, um, <laughs> there's been a lot of text exchange. They beat, us, <laughs> they beat us last time, so we're trying to get revenge on them. But. Yeah. Well, were you playing the last game? Tell me no. Tell me you didn't play. I, I got like... Want it bad. Well, that's the difference. Yeah, well, you know what? The difference. That's who's going to be in to play it a little more. Luke Anderson. Let's go. Do you have a favorite Major League Baseball player and or Major League Baseball team? Yeah, it's the Red Sox and probably uh, Rafael Devers. Okay. I like him a lot. Certain ways you pattern yourself after his game? and like, like Is that something you, you lean into? Um... Yeah, he he just plays he plays really hard. That's what I like about him. Like every at bat I watch, like he doesn't like give his at bats away. Like it's mm. just super. He's super good in the box. Like really good pop, really good in the field. Like there's just there's nothing to not like about him. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. What's Trending, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. We are discussing the power of threes today, and we have broken down the BYU football schedule in year one of the Big 12 into this category. What is the toughest three-game stretch that BYU will face in the fall? Jerem, what do you think? You got to circle three consecutive games. Can I do a square? 
Is that okay? Or you could square it. Okay, yeah. just checking. You could, I don't probably know, rectangle it. Yeah, probably rectangle, rectangle yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. What's your toughest rectangled three-game stretch for BYU football? I'll probably do a triangle at this point. But I looked to the last three games. Uh, I looked to Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Two of those at home, which is nice. But I'm just thinking, because BYU's never played 10 Power Fives in a season, I think BYU's going to be beat up. and. What do you tired. have left? Yes, what do you have left in the tank? And hopefully BYU has what it's been building for years, which is enough depth to sustain some injuries, to sustain some fatigue, being banged up, guys playing who aren't 100%, obviously. Um, Iowa State at home, I expect BYU to win that game. Oklahoma at home, I'm hoping BYU wins that game. Senior Oklahoma night. State on the road, I'm hoping BYU wins that game. I sure hope BYU has at least five wins going into those last three. Because if, if BYU only has four at that point, and you have to win two of those three, that will be tough. Now, my hope and prayer is that BYU actually has six wins mm. by the time they get there. Then a seventh over Iowa State would be awesome. And then it's like, oh, can we get eight by beating Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? And uh, if you win both, of course, that's unbelievable. If you can somehow go nine and three in the regular season in year one, I think we'd all take like seven and five right now if we could. Rather, if you said seven and five or play it out, obviously I want to play it out because I want to see how it goes. But I would be uh, sufficiently happy with seven and five. So I, I think it's those three, um, and I could, I could see an argument for, oh, I could see an argument for the first three, frankly, because <laughs> it's like get out to see. And if you can somehow beat Arkansas, like, how are you looking? Are you healthy going into conference play? Certainly those are the easiest uh, three given the first two. But it's going to be tough the whole way. We don't know how choppy these waters are in the Big 12. But I'm looking at those last three because I'm looking at Iowa State 45th. This is SP Plus going into the season. Oklahoma 14, Oklahoma State 34 on the road. Um, Yeah, Iowa State at home, but those are two tough games to finish. Sure, yeah, and... Uh, along the lines of where you're thinking is, like, how much does BYU have left in the tank? I'm a little concerned about what BYU is going to have left in the tank once you get to mid-October. Mm. Like, because sometimes guys will get injured play. early, and then yeah. you may have some people come back later in the season. Who knows? I mean, it's the wild. Injuries are the ultimate wild card. But I'm also looking at where BYU has to travel in consistent weeks. And that kind of was the center of why I picked my three-game stretch. So I'm going with, on October 21st to start it off, BYU's at home against Texas Tech. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid in the house with Matt Bushman, hopefully. A game I think BYU can and should win because they're on their home field. Let's go, baby. But they face Texas Tech a week after they have to go on the road to Dallas-Fort Worth and face TCU. So the Texas Tech game is right after TCU. Okay, tough road scenario. Then BYU's got to take two long road trips. One to what I think is going to be the toughest road game all year at Texas. Texas could potentially be like a legitimate top 10 or top 15 team. Every year we think so. Maybe (laughs) Texas is actually back. But it felt like they were trending that way last year. Texas was a solid team last year. Their super ranking was really high. And, of course, you got uh, Baby Manning. Maybe at the helm. Yeah. We'll see. Quinn Ewers and is Quinn the guy, Ewers right? was awesome until he got hurt. Yeah. Until he cut his hair. <laughs> Samson! Okay, <laughs> yeah. not just that. So BYU's got to go to Austin, and then they have to go to Morgantown. And if you are aware of Keaton Slovis's interaction with West Virginia's fan base when yeah. he was at Pittsburgh, I've seen it. It's 
going to be an absolute hornet's nest for Keaton Slovis. They're like, oh yeah, to this Morgantown. guy. Morgantown, listen. He said a swear. <laughs> if you don't like Laramie. <laughs> the new Laramie is Morgantown. Morgantown. Absolutely. It is 100% Absolutely. Morgantown in the Big 12. Is it worse? <laughs> <laughs> they hate Keaton Slovis yeah. as a fan base. Yes. And now BYU comes in, okay, to the Laramie of the Big 12. You combo that at the end of that three-game stretch. Yeah. I'm concerned, Jerem. I'm concerned about what BYU will have left when they roll in early November, halfway across the country, yep. into a hard place to get to, Morgantown, West Virginia. So Texas Tech, yeah, not in the matchup itself, not a super tough game, but it's because it follows TCU, and you know you got to go to Texas and to West Virginia. It, it's absolutely tough. Too. That stretch, what's interesting is your three-game stretch falls right after my three-game like, stretch. Yeah, we, did, we didn't even... Touch games at all. It's like, no, this stuff. Uh, yeah, and like, I, okay, look at, looking in three-game stretches, Sam Houston, Southern Utah, Arkansas, certainly the easiest three-game stretch. How? By the way, are we used to staring at the schedule yet? I'm not. Where I look at it and I go, oh, this is great. It'll feel <laughs> real when BYU actually plays a Big 12 game to me. Like when so they're at four. Kansas, it's like, okay, now yeah. it's on. And you'll be there. Um, it'll feel real to me when... Well, it's probably Texas. It won't feel real to me until a, a, a non-new Big 12 team plays in Provo. Mm. So that's Texas Tech. Okay. Where it's like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, this is a conference game? We've already had three of these? Wow, BYU is 6-0 and and ranked ninth. This is great. <laughs> um, that's the hope, right? Okay, then Kansas, Cincinnati, TCU. BYU's got to go 2-1 and one in that stretch. BYU's got to walk out of the first six, 4-2. Because then you allow two and four if crap hits the fan, right? To get bowl eligible. To get bowl eligible, at least. Because then it's the three games you highlighted, and then, and then it's the, the three games I highlighted. So the hope is, yeah, you beat Sam Houston, Southern Utah, Kansas, and Cincinnati. Because those are four home uh, Sorry, three of those four at home, and those feel winnable, Cincinnati being the toughest of those. At Arkansas, if BYU wins that, awesome. Um, at oh, man, TCU, now we're talking about a 3-0 and start and BYU potentially being like, Ranked. K.J. Jefferson's back, uh, the quarterback that chewed up BYU last year. He returned. Let's hope BYU's defense is a little better this year, this go-around against Arkansas than they were last year. <laughs> if it's not, it's going to be it's a long It's going to be a long I, Listen, it's, the, it's men's warehouse. I guarantee it. Like, BYU's going to be better on defense. Let's go. Okay, topic two. This one's submitted by former Coug Logan Magnuson. Yes. Don Vegas, the WCC tournament. Good to see you. Great dude. It, quote, if you could choose any former BYU basketball player in their current shape, excluding Jimmer Fredette. Not, in, not inclusive of the Jimmer, to get another year of eligibility and be on this upcoming roster. This is a very April 11th topic. Yeah, yeah. Who would it be? It was so fast for me. The answer, like, immediately popped in my head. Elijah Bryant. Mm. Like, the dude has There's won. There's a seat for Elijah. Yes, always. BYU. Right now. Yeah. He's won championships at the European level. I heard that. And he's an NBA Finals champion. He was good enough to get picked up by the Milwaukee Bucks. Elijah is a big-time bucket maker. What's his middle name again? I don't know. Brigham. Oh, okay. He has maybe the greatest name. Elijah Brigham Bryant. It's amazing, right? His middle name is Brigham? Yes. I'm not kidding. (laughs) How did I not know this? Repping the brand! How did I not know this? This is the best. That's incredible. Awesome. Okay, so Elijah Brigham Bryant Mm -hmm. is my answer. Jeremy, you plug and play him. 
Like, if, if, like, we could legitimately put Elijah Bryant back into the BYU lineup. Like, I'm ready to say BYU is an NCAA tournament team. I'm not kidding. That like, much. He's that good of a player right now. This is a fun but silly topic. And don't get my hopes up because it can't happen. Because um, I'm not going to think that hard about it. I say Brandon Davies because BYU needs a big man. They need a five. Um, so I say Brandon. Brandon was really good at BYU. He's like four times better than he was at BYU now. Like, he shoots threes. His uh, post game is even better than it was, which it was amazing. Great footwork. And he, like Elijah, had his cup of, uh, you know, post him in the NBA. Yes. 76ers and Nets. Thank you for using the post reference, as always. Don't drink coffee. <laughs> I know that's your parts. thing. That's your thing. Cup of post <laughs> Have you tried post I have. It's so bad. Not good. <laughs> Thanks, Brady Hope. Not good. Uh, Brandon has a tremendous experience as well. Not an NBA or EuroLeague uh, champ, per se. Did he win one with FC Barcelona? Maybe he did. But he's got great experience in uh, Zalgiris in Lithuania, FC Barcelona in Spain, um, Olympia Milano in Italy now. Different names for that. He's team. a EuroLeague, like, all-star. Yeah. Super experience. Alley-oop dunks. Like, Brandon could definitely help this team right now as a five. Now, now this is a fun but silly topic. BYU needs to find the next Brandon Davis. Um, and the next Elijah Bryant. And the next Elijah Bryant. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Bill Steele projects zero Big 12 teams in the AP preseason top 10. Is this a bad thing for the Big 12 or a good thing for Brigham Young? This is an I don't care thing. It just... You don't care? It just doesn't matter. Like, Texas could very easily be included in the preseason top 10. I think they're that good. Maybe a little bit overhyped. Shocker! Year. But, no, it's just... When the actual AP poll comes out, if there's no Big 12 team in it, then maybe it's like, huh, maybe they don't have as much credibility as we think that the Big 12 should. But I expect at least one Big 12 team to end up in the top 10 when the season is over. Yeah, the preseason one doesn't matter as much as the postseason one. Uh, TCU was off the radar last year and went to the national title game. So who knows what happens. Hopefully one year BYU is the TCU. I hope BYU wins six games. I don't care how they get those six games. I just hope they win six games. If it includes beating a ranked team, awesome. Fantastic. If it's all unranked teams, I don't care. (laughs) Because we're about to get P5 wins. Let's go. ESPN has released their early NFL fantasy football position rankings for 2023. In the running backs category, Tyler Algier, 29th, Jamal Williams, 36th. Running backs or not, which former BYU Cougar would be your first fantasy football pickup in 2023? Jamal Williams led the NFL in touchdown, uh, rushing touchdowns last year. He's with the Saints now. Uh, still TBD on Alvin Kamara and what's going to happen, whether he gets yeah. suspended or not, right? Jamal Williams could be a touchdown machine for the Saints. Um, Taysom Hill is always an intriguing pick, although not a huge point scorer there. Um, you know, Tyler, I think, is going to have an increased load. I'd probably go with Tyler yep. not knowing exactly what the Alvin Kamara situation is with Jamal and the Saints. Yeah, Jamal Williams was an absolute beast in fantasy football last year. We're talking 16 touchdowns. That's a ton of fantasy football points. In fact, our fantasy football champion in my main league, like his cash cow was Jamal Williams. Like he was the big scorer because he scored so many touchdowns. His role is going to, I think, shift significantly. And Taysom Hill is going to steal some of Jamal Williams' goal line touchdown runs, right? So if we're talking just fantasy football, like 
perspective and ideology, like if, if you really want to get that deep, you should go with Tyler Algier, who catches passes in a pass per reception league. That's going to grant you more points. Tyler's going to do, I think, more overall than Jamal Williams is going to be asked to do in New Orleans. I think the workload is going to be a little heavier for Tyler Algier. Fun fact, I don't play fantasy football. Yeah. Some people are like, what? You don't? Yeah. I don't really like it. Yeah. You know, you know, it's fun, but it, it's time consuming. It's time consuming. If you want to be really good at it, yeah. it takes time. And oh, I just, yeah. I don't you, like that part. If you do fantasy baseball, that is another level, uh, especially the daily. Chat GPT gave us the all-time basketball rankings yesterday we discussed. They gave us college football as well. You're listed at number 28. Okay. What do you think? I think that's pretty fair. Like, like I would definitely say BYU, historically speaking, is a top 30 program overall. They have a national championship. They have a Heisman Trophy winner. They have two Outland Trophy winners. They've got one of the greatest coaches in the history of the sport in Lavelle Edwards and his innovation. The Doak Walker Award winner. Yeah, BYU's done a ton in their history. No, it's 28, I think, spot on. I think that's a good spot. Um, I don't see a certain team on there. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, and what is this unique team that you are not seeing on the screen, Jerem? Pass. <laughs> ESPN's Joe Lenardi has released his first bracketology for 2024 college basketball. It features eight Big 12 teams. Yay! BYU was not included. Rude. <laughs> is this a good thing to have eight Big 12 teams in the early bracket? Uh, it is what it is. We know that this is going to be, as, as Mark Pope told me after the St. Mary's loss, uh, Mount Everest for BYU. So I assume it's the seven that made the journey plus Houston. I haven't looked at it, but I, w- I would assume this. Is it a good thing? <clears throat> I don't know if good's the right word for it, but it's a d- it's daunting. Well, BYU will have plenty of quad one win opportunities. Uh, a million. <laughs> I think BYU will have roughly 31 quad ones. <laughs> Can you imagine the regular season schedule? Well, non-conference 13. 18 quad no, ones. No, legitimately, BYU might play 16 quad one games. Quad one and two, the expectation in 18 games is that BYU will play something like 16. Quad one and two. That's crazy. There might be there might be a quad three on there if like UCF is uh, coming to Provo and they are... <laughs> 124 80, or 80, 85. Yeah, even if you're 80 and it's a home game, that's a quad three game. Right, if you're 76 plus, I think it's quad three at home. BYU golfer Keanu Aquina nails an eagle from way downtown at the Western Intercollegiate yesterday. This was awesome. In high school, he was a tremendous basketball player. Yes. Put up some buckets against Lamella Ball. So he gets buckets on the golf course too, huh? Look at this eagle. Uh, this is an incredible shot. I'm so glad that they were rolling on this. Is this Todd Miller on the camera? No, it's uh, well, the Golf Channel. I think Golf Channel had it, yeah. Well done, Keanu Aquina. So what happens the day after the Masters are done? Keanu Aquino's on the Golf Channel. Yeah. But nailing an eagle. Nailing an eagle. That's awesome. That's fantastic. He's a baller. We had him in the studio a couple years ago. He's awesome, man. Uh, to quote Keith Olbermann, never thought I'd do that on this show. From way downtown, bang. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did Brain? Mike Brain steal from Olbermann? I don't, what? Well, the bang, yeah, like maybe. What? Yeah. Controversy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who stole it? Who said it first? Who stole it? Bream doesn't use it on the Knicks games. That's like an ABC thing. It's I've done a, multiple okay. games with Bream. No bang. Okay. Or Knicks just didn't, didn't hit a clutch out down the stretch. I don't know. That could probably factor yeah, into it as well. Happen. Andrew Marchand of the New York Post says, watch Colorado as a candidate to defect to the Big 12. Yeah, we've heard all this before. But Jeremy, when you hear about the buffs as the first potential domino and potential addition to go to the Big 12, what's your reaction? Wouldn't be shocked. They used to be in the league. Hasn't really worked out in the Pac-12. Not that interesting of a program right now, kind of nationally. 
Big 12 would probably be like, sure. We're trying to pluck from you guys anyway. Start some dominoes here. Maybe we'll get some more. Why not? Give me We're still waiting all, on Gonzaga, by the way. Give me that all the prime time. Deion Sanders. Oh, he'll be there like two years. Deion Sanders. He'll be there very long. Even if it's only two years in the Big 12. Spence. Add to the, the drama. They wouldn't leave for a couple of years. He'll be gone by the time they even get in the league. Uh, it might be a one-year thing. Maybe. Like, what? What? Deion or Colorado? Like, <laughs> both. If, yeah, if Colorado decided, you're right, it'd probably be like at the earliest 2024 entry, like if it was determined now, right? Maybe. But if, it, if there's this chance that the What's Big 12 grant could, of rights? could add- through the current TV contract? Because then it wouldn't be till 25. I don't know. I don't know how that all works. But if there's a chance to have Deion Sanders coaching in the Big 12, give me Deion Sanders in the Big 12. Colorado ain't buying out like Oklahoma and Texas did one year. And even then, they only did one year. Right? Colorado doesn't have enough money to buy out things like Texas and Oklahoma right now. Yeah. Steve Young posted this video of him and Jerry Rice getting San Francisco Giants fans fired up in a game against the Dodgers. Yeah. Listen to this. that for LMU games here. Um, should BYU hire Steve as an in-game type guy for BYU athletic events? He's getting into it. Yes. Like, if Steve Young came back for like the initial Big 12 game and was like hyping up the crowd Friday night before Cincinnati, that would be epic. And buy my book about love. <laughs> no, love Steve. Um, I want that Giants jersey he has on. Seeing the him, Steve Young baseball jersey. Seeing him in a Giants jersey is super weird. Because I just see him in a Niners jersey. You know what yeah, I mean? Or yeah. like a old cream school bucks jersey. Like that yeah. that jersey is sweet. That's cool. I'd take him as a hype guy. Why wouldn't we? He's a hype guy in a way on our show. I want him in the alumni game next year. That's Steve the Young. next step. Is that the sort of top of the mountain, by the way? Steve Young and Jim McMahon as yeah. the two quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were told the Giants beat the Dodgers 9-1. Oh, G uh, Dodgers beat it. So Steve didn't do good enough. <laughs> you any it's your fault, Steve. It's your fault. It was Jerry's bad. <laughs> Shut up, Jerry. Parts of that. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. I am Spencer Linton, and we welcome in yesterday's individual champion from the Riverside Classic, Adeline Anderson, and her head coach, Carrie Roberts, both from BYU Women's Golf. Great to have you on the show. Adeline, congratulations thank on your you. first individual title. Yes, thank you so much. That's unbelievable. Who's more nervous in that moment when she's standing <laughs> over the putt? Is it you, coach, or is it you, Adeline? I think it's mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, I think it was for sure me. She, she looked locked. I mean, if you watched it, it was like she knew she was going to make it. So as soon as you hit it, you knew it was in? Uh, yeah. Well, as soon as... Um, my the girl I was playing against as soon as she missed came up short with her putt um I knew I had to give it a good roll here it is right here yeah yeah there we go when she hit it you could see the speed you know and I was like ooh, that's a good pace you know and it was just woof is there anything more exciting than sudden death in golf <laughs> we were talking about the just the lingo of, of how they 
It just doesn't it it's seems such so a proper sport. It seems very, very different to call it sudden yeah. death. So all the holes yeah. you played in this tournament, all of a sudden then you come to the sudden death hole. Like to mm -hmm. the death. What's yeah. that like? Um, it's it's definitely unreal. It's not like any other, I guess, hole you'd ever play. Um, it's almost kind of like match play um, in golf. Yeah. And so it's kind of like you know you have to go out there and give every last drop of effort into each individual shot. And your team's right there cheering mm -hmm. you on. Yeah, that was amazing just to see them kind of behind the green. <laughs> yeah. um, just hearing and watching them cheer. Yeah. What's the coaching advice that goes in before the hole begins when you're standing on the tee box? Well, I think that happens a long time before. You know, like she had her game plan. She knew how to play the hole and it was play the hole the way it should be played. Okay. Right? And she made an adjustment from the first round. And so it didn't need to change. Nothing changes. It's just do the game plan, you know? Hit hit the shot you need to hit, where you need to hit it. Yeah. She knew where she needed to go. She knew what she needed to do. And that's the trust, right? Is trust yourself. You know what to do. And there's a little freedom on that putt because your opponent had missed, so you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to two-putt. Worst case scenario, we're going to play this hole again. Or play another hole, right? Mm -hmm. And so, did that relax you a little bit of, hey, I can just, as long as I don't bomb it past, I can go right for the cup? <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, a little bit. But I was I was trying to make it. Yeah, um, just sure. so I could, of course, get that win and kind of move on from that. Um, just so we wouldn't have to play more extra holes. Yeah. So. But I think that's the beauty of the, the competitor's mind. She wasn't thinking that. Yeah, see, you know, I, that's how I think. She's like, thinking, I'm just going to make it. I'm just going to, I want to make it. <laughs> and it, right? it right and what, so what do I need to do to make it? And that's what mm -hmm. she did, right? And, and I think that's the fascinating, you know, beauty of the sport and the beauty of the mental game is inside her head is mm. she only had one thing on her mind was making that pot. That's well, what's cool We just watched the Masters and there's a different, here's the greatest players in the world, yet they're going to be separated by someone yeah. who hits shots and someone who, love who doesn't. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's sure. golf, right? Yeah, definitely. That's who can handle the moment. Yeah. A lot of times. Well, you finally got some nice weather. Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I think you got in the 70s. Yes. yes. I, so, uh, it has been miserable along the Wasatch Front and through winter. the entire right. state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how have you navigated this as a team? I know you go and travel to like places that typically yeah. have nice weather, but yep. you still have to come back and go to class here and yeah. practice here. So, Coach, yeah. how have you navigated this very brutal winter? Yeah, well, fortunately, we're lucky, you know, to have a few facilities to, to hit out, you know, and, but it was long. It was yeah. brutal. You know, the IPF, it's an indoor practice driving range. We've got Fox Hollow. We've got, you know, we were able to travel a little bit, but honestly, the attitude and resilience of these girls is, is what is the difference, right? It's just, well, we, it is what it is and keep, you know, keep hitting that little white ball and go find it. And, <laughs> and eventually, hopefully, we'll be on some green grass. And mm -hmm. I think we were all just so giddy. You know, we, yeah. everyone was just so happy to be outside. and Have a home tournament for the first time in awesome. four years. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was a good time. West yeah. Coast Conference Championships are coming up. The last blast, right? After this, it's, it's the Big 12. You're a sophomore, so you've got mm -hmm. a lot of Big 12 golf coming up. How have you managed those thoughts of the future that's coming with the, the present that you're in? For sure. Um, right now, just working on, I guess, my game plan and just working to get a little better every day. Um, and just really focusing on how to improve each aspect of my game. Just like putting, ball striking, chipping, up and downs, 
a little bit of everything. Just how can I improve mm. it slightly each day? So I covered the LPGA Tour and a major, the Kraft Nabisco Championship, really? at the time no way. Cool. when I was working in Palm Springs for three years at yeah. the ABC station. Right and so I'd, <clears throat> I'd always watch the, the winner jump into, yeah. you know, Poppy's Pond with yeah. her caddy and mm -hmm. yeah. things like that. And it, I'm fascinated by the women's sport and how it's embraced down there specifically. It's got it's grown so much. So. Adeline, do you do you try and pattern yourself after any LPGA player, or do you have a favorite PGA player you like? Like, how much golf and professional golf do you watch, and what, how do you try and pattern yourself after that? Yeah, um, so I love the Corda sisters, Nellie and Jessica Corda. Um, I have a younger sister. I kind of grew up playing with her. Um, she kind of stopped playing, but she, she was just my competition, and so I just always love the thought of, I guess, playing professionally with my sister. Yeah. Um, I mean, she kind of fell out of love with the sport, um, but I think it, they're just amazing to watch their sister relationships. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Coach, there's a lot of talk uh, back at the Masters of changing the golf ball because golfers are hitting it too long. Uh, <laughs> you've got some long hitters on your squad. Compare the game to when you were playing with, uh, with this roster that you're coaching. How what? different is it? Well, I hit it further, so. <laughs> <laughs> you were an exception. At, at my age, I'm hitting it further with this new equipment. Um, the equipment, oh, yeah, it's night and day, right? We're hitting it further and, and straighter, and it's amazing what they can do to technology. You know, they, I mean, I can hit it offline, but it won't go offline. Like, how does that happen, you know? And so it's amazing, the technology. I don't want them to roll down the, roll back the ball. I need the distance, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but for some of those guys, maybe it'd be helpful, but. I don't know. I just find like if you can gain an advantage in a sport, good for you. You know, isn't that what we're trying to do? So Absolutely. Let a person gain an advantage if they've figured out how to gain an advantage on the competition. Let them. So a question for both of you. I'll start with you, Adeline. Mm -hmm. As far as your individual goals go this season, you just won your first individual title. So what's yeah. next in your progression chart? Um, just I don't know, give every tournament. I guess my last drop of effort into each shot and just really focusing on, um, I guess, what I need to do to execute a great shot. Um, and then I guess going forward with conference, um, our next tournament, which we're headed to shortly, um, just again, focusing on what I need to do to fulfill yeah. my job as being a golfer on BYU's women's team. Uh, I, I know coach is happy with that answer. That, that, that is pure yeah. team mentality. Yeah. Going to keep it starting well, right she? She's got some big goals and dreams, um, and and that's what's fun, right? Is to work with someone that's so driven and so motivated, and and really has some high standards and expectations. And so it's like, okay, well, let's go, you know. And and no one loves this game more, and no one loves BYU more than Adeline Anderson. And so so to work with someone like that, it's 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 everything right it's so fun team picked up runner-up honors at the at the tournament so you go to the wcc championships pepperdine's always there looking to cause some trouble this is the last blast let's go uh, what do you like with your team we're gonna give them that? a fight dave for sure yeah. we're gonna go up there and give everything we have and and we're a group of fighters um and we know how to win um they are really good and i'll be honest on paper we should never beat them right right, right? I mean, reality, but have we? Yeah, there were years yeah. where they never beat us. So I think we take our heart and soul of this team. I think we take 
everything, all the ups and downs over the last five years, and we say, let's go. The let's beauty, go beauty of it is it's not at Lake Las Vegas. Yeah. So there should be four to one on our wins. So there's, oh, let's, let's look for peaceful, <laughs> peaceful golf conditions. Yeah, there's you no, guys. No wind. Uh, no wind. No Vegas, no Vegas wind. wind. No. Uh, Adeline Anderson of BYU Women's Golf and her head coach, Kerry Roberts, uh, on BYU Sports Nation. Let's finish with this. And, and this is, you know, more of just like a, a, just a personality inquiry, if you will. But <laughs> when you watch a tournament like the Masters, like, what's that like? Do you have a family party? Because you are both so into <laughs> golf. Is it, like, is it like your Super Bowl? Or how do you consume the Masters? Um, honestly, I think it's even bigger than the Super Bowl in my house for <laughs> really? sure. Oh yeah. We got like four or five, maybe six different screens of different <laughs> holes and different shots following different people. Um, just up watching every, everything. I love that. Do you fill out a bracket carry at your house? Is there a master's you know, bracket? There's several competitions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is... I mean, daily, there is shots. It's, it will hit the screen, you know. I mean, we've started with my kids, you know, and I'll give you a dollar if he makes this putt, you know what I mean, <laughs> type of a thing. And, and so, you know, but there's a little hidden agenda to get my kids to enjoy watching golf. But, yeah. oh, it's constant. Yeah, we just, you shut down. I don't know why you wouldn't have six screens. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have six, you know. I, I, I got some work to do, apparently. They're scattered around the house. Yeah, so I, it's, and it's fascinating just to watch what they can do and how they do it. It's so fun. I always sit there and think, do you, do you think, CBS, you could show some Tony Finau highlights? Could you, could you at least show well, you go to the Masters app, and I think you'd follow who you want to follow, right? Well, that's yeah. the beauty. You can yeah. literally follow any player every shot. Right. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. Like, come on, like, show the man. Show the man. Let's, yeah. let's go. He's yeah. an honorary Coug, whether he wants to be or not. <laughs> Tony, whether yes. he says it or not, in his heart, he is, he is a BYU man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm with you, and I, he would agree. Yeah, he would. He's all in. We love the Phenos. He's all in. They're hey. awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. The transfer portal conversation continues to bubble up to the top of sports headlines nationwide, Dave. It's not going anywhere anytime soon, especially with the football side of the portal opening back up here at the end of the or the middle of the month, I should say. So yeah, it's just, we're Saturday. just a few days on Saturday. That's yeah. right. It's the end of the week. So with that in mind, what's the one position in any sport for BYU athletics where the Cougars need to address it and hopefully find the answer in the most, it, the most pressing matter. What, what's the position, sport, and scenario? It's like the Magic Kingdom. The portal is the Magic Kingdom, where everyone goes to find the, the, the missing piece. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of sports on campus that are, are intact and ready to go, uh, and they can get some to enhance if there's a, a, a scratch golfer that's suddenly available coming from somewhere. But, but there are teams with big needs, and, and basketball is the top of the list. And right now with the basketball portal open, you go on Twitter and, and somebody sign in with somebody every single day. BYU has reached out to I don't know how many. I've lost count. But it's, they're casting a huge net because the biggest concern is with men's basketball. And the opportunity for the biggest fix is in men's basketball. But 
some big fish have to come in with the net. Sure. And they're still waiting. And I, I, I think that's the concern. And in that net needs to be a big fish. Well, and, and BYU fans have high hopes because in recent years, the Cougars, let's face it, they've hit it big in some regards, Dave. On the football side, right. do you think the Nakua brothers made an impact for BYU? Yeah. I sure. mean, Samson and Puka both had a major impact on what BYU football did in 2021 and 2022. Can Keaton Slovis be that guy? There are some other guys that have come through the portal that BYU have high hopes for. Aiden Robbins, Robbins right. the UNLV running back, is he going to be one of those guys that has a major impact? So hopes are high because success has happened. And even in the basketball realm, while it hasn't been uh, the payoff that, that we've seen uh, in previous years over the last two seasons specifically, yeah. you go back to 2019, Alex Barcelo, Brandon Averett came in 2020, Matt Harms in 2021, Jake Toulson was there in 2019. The, the, like Mark Pope was a huge uh, he's not, he's, I always mix up these words, not the benefactor, but the beneficiary. Yeah. Thank you. Huge beneficiary of the transfer portal in his first two seasons. The last two seasons, hit and miss. Yeah. So, but hopes remain high because we all know like, oh, it, it it's happened. Possible. It happened. It's possible. And it happened in the last four years. So it is basketball, but I mean, where do you go? Because I look at the basketball roster and I'm like, oh, there are a number of areas where BYU could use a big-time player. So what's yeah. it going to be? They need to get a center. And we've talked about that for some time here on the show. Um, and that to me, and, and, and we'll ask you the same thing, but it seems in the portal they've got to get some size, which will allow Foose to play the four and not have to be a center in the Big 12 where there are seven-footers just waiting, just as there were in the WCC. BYU, I think, was undersized in almost every game. Um, and, and that's, that's un, unlike BYU yeah. and unusual. But you go into the portal and you can find that fix. Uh, preferably you're in the high school ranks at the same time recruiting guys who are big, but you're going to get them coming out of their senior years and you've got to work with them and develop them. The portal is I can get a developed guy. Uh, I, maybe there's a Keaton Slovis for the basketball team. Maybe there's an Aiden Robbins for the basketball team. There almost has to be as they go into the Big 12. And I think the center spot is the, is the, the, the crown prince here, where, where they've got to find some size yeah. to alleviate the other issues. But they've got to find some guys with points. For sure. And I can hear, you know, my friends on the basketball staff saying right now, well, maybe the guy's already there and he was just young. Maybe it's Jackson Robinson. Maybe, maybe his development is the answer for BYU and he can kind of ascend into that role. And I'm not taking that possibility away from Jackson because he has shown that he has some very right. nice skills, right? So with his progression, I just feel like BYU still needs something else. And it probably, I don't care what position it is, Dave, I, BYU just needs a scorer. I want BYU to go find a guy who is ready to take the most shots and make the most shots. Like that type of contributor. Not just a role player that's really good. I'm ready for, like, and I'm sure Coach Pope's like, yeah, Spencer, yeah, him find him me. for me. Where is he? Uh, I wish I knew, but I feel like BYU just needs a big-time score, a guy that averages over 15 points a game and is ready to right now yeah. step into that role to take the most shots and make the most shots for BYU. He's got to have that personality in addition to the skills. Because when you come in from the portal, you're the new kid in town. And very often do we see the new kid in town get the keys to the, to the, to the kingdom. But he's got to come in good enough to have the freedom of, guys, I'm shooting whenever I'm open. I'm the guy. Yeah. 
And that's, those are hard to find. Yes. Because even in the current group or the current group of the other teams around the state, it's hard for somebody to stand up and go, I'm Jimmer. I'm good. Give me the ball. Because they're so rare. Um, but, hey, when you're shopping, you might as well shop for the best possible thing. A kid who can score points, a kid with a personality of come follow me, let's go, and, 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 and a kind of a Keaton Slovis, which is exactly what Kalani Sataki is looking for, for the quarterback who's got one year, comes from the portal, but he comes in with the attitude that's won the team over, and the team's ready to follow him. And he's been in 34 P5 games, and it's, guys, follow me, I've been there, I've done that, and the ball's in my hands. You just Is there a Keaton Slovis Oof. in the portal for basketball? Yeah, that type of impact player. Now, typically... That score, more often than not, comes somewhere on the guard line or is at least a a hybrid wing forward guard. I don't care where it is, Dave. I don't care. If that that guy is a big man, then fantastic. Double, uh, you know, the fun there. Like, because you get size and you get a score of it. Great. I don't care where he plays on the floor. I just want that mentality of... I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be the alpha. I'm going to take the most shots. I'm going to make the most shots. I am your guy. BYU and every other team, you know, and this is kind of a West Coast Conference mentality here, but they're all looking for a Brandon Pajemski. Yeah. A dude that was kind of buried in a roster, but then just blossoms and emerges. And now Pajemski is a legitimate NBA draft prospect. Right. Santa Clara, Herb Sandick did an amazing job finding him and helping him elevate his game. BYU and a bunch of other teams are looking for that type of guy. And to your point, this staff can do that. Yes. They've done that. It's been done multiple times. And, and that's what they're trying to do, and, and everyone waits patiently to go, well, and, and how many pieces are you going to add? The roster's kind of full. There's only a few spots there, at least as we look at it today. Um, how many new faces can you get in? Uh, but we know they can do it. You give me a big-time score. On the guard line, along with an emerging Dallin Hall, who's stepping into a sophomore season at that point guard position, Jackson Robinson, Spencer Johnson, Trevin Nell, Fus Treore, and then if there's some size that can BYU can add as well, now we're talking. Now we're talking about BYU taking some big steps in the right direction. Not not to say there aren't position needs for BYU football and other sports as well. I mean, football is still looking for a receiver to come in and help help also the depth, the defensive line. But we both agree, it just, it's got to be with basketball. That is priority number one. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU spring football nearing a close. And this spring has been... Really the first go-around for several position coaches at BYU, at least in their new responsibilities. And certainly the guys that stuck around are dealing with their own concerns and new roster movement. Jeremy, my question today is, which of the position coaches, not a coordinator, take Jay Hill, Aaron Roderick out of this, which of the position coaches will have the greatest impact or play the most vital role for BYU football this fall. And special teams coordinator doesn't count, right? Because that's my answer. I'll allow it. Kelly Papinga. I'll allow it. Um, Kelly Papinga is the edge rushers coach. Defensive line generally would be it, but uh, there's two different coaches there. I go Kelly Papinga. 
um, the special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach. Certainly the defensive ends need to make plays. We've yeah. seen it in the NFL over the last 10 or 20 years, right? D ends on defense are the number one position. In terms of playmaking, right? Cornerbacks, you need them to throw you the ball. But D ends, you can have an impact on every single play. You could argue the tackles sort of start there, but D ends need to create more havoc for BYU. Yes. Last year, 15 sacks and 49 TFLs. Of course, those are team numbers. Third lowest in FBS in both those numbers. Just, just terrible. BYU can do way better at that position. I'm excited about the group that BYU has. I think BYU will add to this group in the mm. transfer portal with at least one name, if not more. Tyler Batty, Isaiah uh, Banya, Blake Mangelson, and then the young guys, Isaiah Moa and uh, Bodie Schoonover and others, okay. Michael Daly. Excited for that group. Excited for Kelly to put his imprint on the defense. Obviously, Jay Hill has been outspoken and everybody about being more aggressive. This means we're going to see them get upfield more. This, seems, this means we're going to see them get after the quarterback. And I would love to see more havoc there. And I think BYU can do what Utah has done, and I've screamed this from the rooftops forever, which is they get pressure with four. And how do you win conference championships? Well, it starts on defensively not having to blitz every time. And if BYU can get pressure with four, if you bring a back row two, a corner blitz here or there, let's see some havoc. Let's see some, something crazy. Because even without that kind of aggressive defense, last year at times we saw some pick sixes, right, um, from BYU's linebackers. But I want the defensive end specifically to be the ones that create the most havoc uh, at the start. And then everything, it, like a good secondary is dependent on a good pass rush. So Eddie Heckard will have a ton of success if Tyler Batty's good and vice versa. BYU's going to switch their base defense. We've learned that they are going to four down linemen primarily. They're going to be bringing different looks for sure, but the base defense will be four down linemen and three linebackers, and we'll go from there. And because that is happening, I feel like Sione Puha, who will be the guy focusing on the entire defensive line to a degree, but the interior linemen for sure, and working with Kelly Papinga, I feel like he has the biggest challenge, and he has uh, the opportunity to make a position group grow the most, along with K-pop. And so, I mean, can I can I just add Sione Puha to what you just, just presented? Just line. go defensive yeah. line, right? Because Sione's doing tackles, yeah. And I know they're different, but those two are going to be heavily collaborating with the now four down linemen front. That and BYU fans have been clamoring for. We want more pressure on the quarterback. We want, you know, none of this drop eight anymore. Like, the four down linemen, it, that alone changes the whole dynamic for BYU football. So, Sione Puha working with Kelly Papinga on the defensive line, those two have the biggest challenge and I think concurrently will fill the most vital role as a position goes, a position coach group goes for BYU. Like, yeah, there are questions everywhere. At the linebackers, like outside of Ben Bywater and Max Tooley, there's a ton of youth, okay? But I feel like it all starts up front, Jerem. Like if the defensive line and the ends and the tackles are doing their job, linebackers are going to eat, right? And it's going to make it easier for the defensive backs if you can get to the quarterback and make them rush a throw a half second earlier, even a quarter of a second earlier. It's just going to make everything easier for the linebackers and the back seven in the defense. Sione, I feel like was the coaching staff, they were certainly excited to bring Kelly Papinga back, right? K-pop said, I'm super excited that Sione's coming back. And Jay Hill talking him out of retirement, 
massive, massive get for BYU because he knows what the challenge is. Yes. There's a ton of work to do there, and they need Sione to lead that. And he was part of that 2019 Utah team that was ranked as high as fifth going into the Pac-12 championship game if they beat Oregon there in the playoff. Wild. They lost that game, and then they lost to Texas, and sort of a a tough finish, right, um, for the Utes that year. But that defense was so good. And Sione knows what he's doing. He has the NFL credentials. He has the credentials at Utah. Whether you like it or not, BYU is simulating what hap- has happened at Utah defensively. And certainly when I brought that up with Kalani Sitake, he mentioned, well, uh, where did Utah get it? They got it from uh, Fred Whittingham back in the day uh, at BYU, and then it went up to the U. So whatever the argument was, I don't really care. I respect how good Utah's defense has been for a long time. I would love for BYU to get to that because we've never really worried about the offense of BYU. We've always been like, you have at least that. BYU's always at least good to very good to great on offense. Mm. Right now, BYU's been very good plus 2020. Great offense. Maybe that was because you were playing no P5s, but like BYU's been awesome offensively for a long time. Yeah. If you can be good on defense, BYU last year, I would argue, was bad, right? Like no one's, well, no one's arguing they weren't, I don't think. BYU was bad on defense. If BYU was okay on defense this year, now you're talking about getting seven plus. Maybe you creep into the eight space. I think BYU is going to be in a four-two-five, a nickel with four down linemen, two backers, probably Max and Tuli and Ben Bywater more often than you think. With the majority of Big Twelve teams chucking it in a spread, um, so I think the secondary has an argument for this conversation of whether it's Gennaro Guilford with the corners or Jay Hill with the safeties. But there's the most experience at those positions coming back right now. And so the, those aren't the ones that we have the biggest question marks Yeah. About. Plus, we're just if you tell us you're going to be aggressive on defense, that means D-line's got to be awesome. Yes. And Utah's D-lines were so good for so long. BYU, defensive linemen. You think about the Kef- Bronson and Corbin Kafusi. You think about Kairos Tonga. Kind of outside of that, haven't had those dudes the last kind of 10 years, right? Where you're like, oh, we have next-level guys. We have... Really, really good players, like all-conference type guys at that position. I think BYU's got a couple of guys that feel like they could become those guys. But to be all-conference in the Big 12 now, you've got to be an NFL draft pick kind of guy. You've got to create havoc to you get have attention. To. You have to. And havoc comes in many forms like we've talked about. Sacks, TFLs, interceptions, and fumbles. Now, the two of us and selecting hurdles. the defensive line with, and the coaches that will lead those groups and Kelly Papinga and Sione Pua is not to say, as you – you know, uh, we're referencing the defensive backs, that those position groups and position group coaches don't have their own significant challenges. Sure, I think it just starts up front. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Even on the offensive side, I look at Daryl Funk on the offensive line, and I'm like, you lost Blake Freeland. You lost the Barrington brothers. You said goodbye to Joe Tukuafu. Uh, Harris Lachance is not there anymore. That's five super experienced dudes. And one sure thing, NFL draft pick, we think that the Barrington brothers are probably going to end up in the NFL. At least Clark. Right, at, le- at least Clark. Yep. But that's five notable guys. Yeah. So he's got a huge task. But we're not worried about online. You have Connor we're Pay not. and Kingsley Suamata'ia back, but because of the additions in the transfer portal and because BYU has been consistently good, they, when they lost Brady Christensen and others, we were like, oh, boy, is this, this going to be bad? Blake no. Freeland moved from right tackle to left tackle. No, Kingsley then they, then right they tackle, blocked for Tyler Algier, and he runs for a program best in rushing yards in a season. We're excited about Ian Fitzgerald. We're excited about Paul Waylon Lapuaho. Brady Hyman, <laughs> yeah. right tackle. Yes. We feel like that position is one that we're not too worried about. 
because they've produced in, the, in years past. D-line have not produced at the level we wanted. Maybe that was scheme-based. That's what we were told. Well, it's made for the linebackers to do this. But I was like, why isn't it made for the D-line to eat too? It sounds like this defense will be like, listen, everybody eats. This is a buffet. And there are a lot of dudes that are hungry. Even Harvey Unga has got a challenge, right? We, we like Aiden Robbins, the transfer from UNLV. He joins Hinkley Rapati and Miles Davis, and then we kind of see after that. But the running game and the numbers produced by the running game were not quite what we expected last year behind a really good offensive line. Was it the most disappointing six yards per carry by it's the weird. individual in BYU history? It's Chris weird, Brooks right? actually had pretty good numbers. Like they ran crazy third against, short was against some yeah. bad defenses, but in big games, especially in third and short, the running game just kind of disappeared. What do right? we see? Seven of fourteen on third and three specifically? Like that wasn't good enough, right? Yeah, yeah. It just it just wasn't good. So yeah. they've all got their challenges in, in unique ways. Fessy Satake is like, hey, I need to add depth to the wide receiver core. Absolutely. Right? I, there are three we love, and then there's some young guys. Yeah. Yep. Okay, topic two. CFB Home on Twitter is doing a bracket of most hated fan bases. <laughs> uh, this is April 13th content for you. Utah is a two-seed against uh-huh. three-seed BYU right now. Uh-huh. Uh, the poll has Utah winning by nearly 9%, as mm. you can see on the screen, 54 mm. to uh, 45. Is it okay to be a hated fan base? I don't like the idea of being labeled as a hated fan base, but I will say this. This is the one occasion that I can recall ever that I would totally be okay losing to Utah. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. You you can have this one. Also, hi. Why are you watching the show? You can take it. You've got the lead. Enjoy it. Relish it. Uh, maybe we should bring Bearcat Matt into this, get him involved. Yeah, <laughs> you take a banner and rice All the Big 12 schools. Right next to your Rose Bowl participation Feel trophies. free to vote for Utah. Totally to okay. <laughs> I, I don't like the idea of yeah. BYU being a most hated fan base. I don't know that I entirely agree with that. Maybe Bigotry! Maybe annoying to a degree and, and unique and different and weird or whatever. Oh, yeah. But we as admit far as like, we're weird. Yeah. Hated fan base? Like, if I pulled everybody outside the state, would BYU's fan base be like, oh, I hate that fan base? Like, well, if we go to give, the, it, give it a couple years in the Big 12. Then we'll see. Then <laughs> we'll see. But years. right now, it's like, well, yeah, I, I mean, Utah certainly hates BYU's fan base. Utah State hates BYU's fan base. Boise State. Those are the rivals. But, like, are the, the feeling are, is mutual. Are the schools outside of the rivals, like, do they hate BYU's fan base that much? Because we hear so much like, oh, great trip. They give you free ice cream. I hate them. They gave me free ice cream. But those are the people showing up. I I think we need to clarify, uh, because hate is a strong word, but I really, really don't like you, said the plain white tees. Um, I think we're talking about sports hate. We're not talking about real hate. I think real hate is a dangerous thing, right? Um, But Certainly, sports hate. sports hate, hate, Bill Simmons said, I don't hate the Lakers. Um, I sports hate the Lakers, right? As a Celtics fan. Yeah, I don't hate the Utes. Like, sports hate? Yeah, that's different. It's a rivalry. It's competitive. It's fun that way. It's all good. We chide each other. We, we you know, take it, you take it on the chin and you move on and you play and you have fun. Um, life is better because you're competing um, with each other. Uh, yes, I agree with you. I would love to lose this poll. Is it okay to be hated? Yes. Are, you, you are, Typically you are, it means you're good. You are irrelevant if no one hates you. You are irrelevant. Does Typically, anyone hate it means Florida? you're good. Does anyone hate Florida Atlantic? You know what I mean? Um, New Mexico, 
sports <laughs> like hate like no <laughs> come on now um no byu certainly draws the ire of certain groups for various reasons sports and uh-huh. otherwise uh-huh. because we have a certain uh, attitude you know a certain sports ego uh that comes here and i can see why people might not like it that's okay we don't always like what everyone else is doing uh so it's okay no it's fun it's it's not a serious thing like a surgeon or a pilot where if you mess up people die okay this is sports it's sports hate. It's not real. Yeah, lose the poll. Congratulations, the poll. Utes. Let's you just go it. and declare it. You can move on you to the next one. You win that and the Pac-12. You are a more hated fan base than BYU's fan base. Also, again, uh, <laughs> welcome to the program. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Following BYU football spring practice yesterday, I spoke with BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk on topic, the leadership role on this year's offensive line, why this group is more athletic than last year's group, and why the coach is potentially going to headbutt his players after a big play. (laughs) This is Daryl Funk one-on-one. Coach, you've been around college football for a long time. A lot of different teams, a lot of different programs. What makes this spring football unique and different than the other spring football scenarios you've been around? Well, they're all different. That's the first thing. If I went back the last 30-plus years, I thought they're all different. Because sometimes you come in with a bunch of vets. Sometimes you lose some guys. Sometimes you're like, wow, I don't know who's going to play. And then all of a sudden people stand up. But that's that's my point is someone always steps up in spring and, and they're like, wow, I didn't think he was ready to go and he's good. That's what spring ball is for, you know, and establish some rhythm. But but I think, like I was just mentioning to you, two years ago I stood here and it was like, okay, we lost Brady and those other two and, and you know, some other guys weren't proven and what are we going to do? And we ended up having a pretty good year, you know, that way. So I feel like... That's still the plan, and we'll we'll plug in the spots. We you know we move Kingsley over to the left side, which is you know one move that that's good. And but we'll have some guys uh, all healthy in the fall. But I'm I'm pleased with where we're at. There are some good days and bad days for sure. But uh, but I'm, I I think back to your original question. Everyone is just slightly different. I can't say I've ever had one exactly the same. How would you explain the energy surrounding the offensive line specifically with all of the changes and the key pieces that have moved on? Well, I think it's a mixture sometimes based on the day of excitement and you got guys hungry to play and then other times some of the guys are a little tentative and, and maybe they get beat on one and then they slow it down. So, But as far as energy and enthusiasm, I think for the most part, they're, like I said, you're going to have an off day or something too and our, our defense is playing real well this spring. But but I would say uh, I, I'm pleased with it. Sometimes, you know, and every group's a little different with leaders too. And, you, and just because a guy's a rah-rah guy doesn't necessarily make him a leader. But the energy from the group comes from that some, but it more comes from putting a guy on his back or pancaking a guy or a great double team they know sprung a touchdown. or That's what gets the line going. And, and when we've done those things in the spring, these kids have fired up, and, and, and I feel good about their energy. I was joking with Aaron Roderick because I know he's such an even-keel guy about, you know, <laughs> Don't get too excited, Coach, when you see a big play. Where are you in the emotional spectrum? When you see a big pancake blocker, springs a big run, like, what? where are you in the reaction mode? Well, 
I don't headbutt guys anymore, and I don't do a whole bunch of chest bumping. Uh, I'm excited. I'm just excited in a little little different way. That's why the GAs have to be faster than me on the sideline. But but no, I, I love those plays. And to be honest with you, whether it's this spring or last fall, when we've had some big plays, sometimes I'm late on hearing the next call because I'm still fired up about something. Uh, you know, just I could think of several plays like that. But uh, but no, I I love this game. Uh, it's given so much to me and. To be able to come out and, on the grass and look at those mountains and be around kids and coach a game, I mean, my gosh, that's work. That ain't work. That, you know, that's just a dream come true. And I'm not trying to be corny. That's how I feel every day. Now, some days are better than others how you lead the field. But, you know, I, I just think uh, I think this group, the, the staff, you know, the, the different energy our defense has right now and the, and the excitement that we have on some things and, and plus going into the Big 12, I think it's all going to come to a head at the right time in the fall. Offensive line coach Daryl Funk is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You brought up leadership specifically, and I want to kind of address that term. Connor Pay clearly is a leader because of his veteran experience, his position as the center. But who else is joining Connor on that leadership front for the offensive line? Well, you, you mentioned Connor, and he's you know played guard, he's played center, he knows the offense, and, and he has his style of leadership that way, uh, somewhat like a coach in a lot of ways. Uh, you, you know, you've got Kingsley who just knows one speed in practice and he goes and goes and tries to hit somebody and gets it fired up about. So he's not a big rah-rah guy, but his energy you feel in the plays he makes. Uh, Paul, I know he's not practicing this spring, but he's won a lot of games and won championships. So, and, and just watching him play, he's going to give us a fire in the fall that that uh, that will really help us. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not a leader in a room isn't always the guy that wants to talk all the time. In fact. Back even when I played, I could name two guys that talked all the time in my junior and senior year that I just wanted to slug all the time. They didn't do anything for us or the team, but they talked, so we just ignored them. I don't think we have any guys here like that for sure, but I just think, uh, and, and again, the, the group grows. It's a different group. They've been together only since January we did meetings, so kind of evolves, and we'll add a few more pieces. And like I said, by the, by the time we get to mid-August, whatever, the chemistry will be a whole different, unique set of, of uh, characteristics, if that makes sense. And, and that's why it's so fun, too, because every team's different. I know Kalani says that every team's different, but every position group year to year is different. And these guys are fun, and, you know, I get on them sometimes, love them up other times, you know, because I'm competitive, they're competitive. But, uh, but no, I'm really excited about what the group's going to be. We're a long way from a finished product, but we're going to be fine. Without question, you lose some key pieces, and we're super excited to watch what Blake Freeland is going to do in the NFL. Joe Tukuafu is a big piece, and he started a number of games. Harris Lachance, the Barrington brothers transfer. Who are some of the young guys that you're seeing stuff from in spring ball specifically that you think could have an impact and help out in filling some of those prominent shoes? Well, you know, right now we've got, uh, I mean, obviously Kingsley's still a young guy, but he's a returning veteran, and he's probably the one that, of the younger classes that jumps out the most, you know, but we've had guys that have, have really improved since last year and even since the start of spring. I mean, you got Tyler Little that has, you know, finally grown into his body as a lineman. And you got to remember, he didn't play football for four or five years. He's a basketball player, so he's shown some good things. Trevin Osler, I think, uh, has really done some good things at times. Uh, you know, a couple of Peter Falonico coming out of a redshirt year has gotten a lot of work at center, which is awesome, and he can also play guard. But, you know, we have some some other new kids who come. I and mean, when Waylon uh, gives us a breath of fresh air in the room, and, and you know, he's a, a guy that has a chance to, to be in the mix. Uh, Ian Fitzgerald's played a lot of football. Doesn't yeah. say much, but 
does some really good things and 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 that. But we're we're uh, I think we've got enough young guys and we've got a few more people that we're going to add at some point. And then, uh, but I think it's going to come together. You you take those guys that have got better. Now, what the crazy thing is, our first group out here right now, in the fall. I'm not saying they can't be with the first group, but it's going to look a lot different. Yeah. But those those guys are going to have basically starter experience because they just went through three or four practices with with the first group. Because I don't care if it's spring, fall camp, or the or up there at the stadium. If you're with the ones, there's a different expectation uh, if you're playing, and they're gaining that experience. So I'm excited about that. Pro football focus is a key metric that the football world kind of seems to rely heavily on. I don't know how much you're into those statistics, but looking at last year's offensive line, we're talking about you know the number one rated pass blocking offensive line and number twelve run blocking offensive line. But you said we're gonna we can be better. We we need to be better. What are some of the aspects that you are looking to improve upon specifically in gameplay and formations and whatnot as you push from what we thought was a really good line last year into next season? Well, and I do respect the PFF. I, I like looking at the better stats. I forget the bad ones. I'm just kidding. I, I don't look at a bunch of that, but I really have a lot of respect for all they do because we use some of their stuff for scouting purpose sure. and everything. They do a lot of really good stuff. But uh, but I would say this. I mean, our what we do to protect the quarterback, how we – you know how we block up fronts part of it what our tight ends do involved in that game how quick we get the ball out our running backs and different things how we mix it up i mean that that that's huge and we'll continue that we'll always add we've added a few other little things for sure running the ball is always a little different deal you know coming off losing tyler off the year before and then last year was kind of a <clears throat> running back committee it, it we still did some really good things at times uh, we got run game going later in games. Early it was stagnant a little bit. And I think a part of that was growing with the, the new running backs. And, and it's hard. When you had 25 toting the rock and, you know, and then Peeney coming in for his carries, that was a really good, well, for my first year and then the year before. That, that's, it's just consistent. They run in the same places. You know how to block it. He knew how we were going to come off at certain times on the combos and stuff. And sometimes, you know, when you're running four, uh, four running backs in there, you know, it just takes a little while. But we still we still did enough in some running. It finished on a good note. I think we rushed for, what, 200 or more in the last four of the last five games. Yeah. That might have been a PFF set. <laughs> but, um, but, no, you just try to build on it. You never stay exactly the same. We're going to add a few things, feature a few things. Uh, explore a few little things that we already started doing in the in the off season, and then just kind of build because you can't just do the same thing every year. Even if you have all the same guys, even coming into the 21 year, we changed a few things, uh, some pretty subtly and some pretty drastically, and and added a few things that give some people trouble. I want to ask you about the defense. You mentioned, and you're not alone. I've heard this from every coach and every offensive player. The defense is just different, and it's making the offense better, albeit there are some frustrating moments for the offense because the defense is flying around and giving different looks. But how has it made your job a little bit more unique this spring? Well, it's, it creates a lot of the issues that you see in, in week five or week seven that are a little bit unique or different. And when you've worked through those issues at practice, um, that helps because on three days, hey, this is a way different blitz scheme or something like that. That can be hard, you know, in the middle of the yeah. season. So getting some of those concepts and different things, not exactly what we're going to see, but just maybe more variety and makes us really test our, our calls, our schemes, and then makes kids see it. So when I've been around this, and, and they've got great energy, their kids playing hard uh, and, and everything, and I'm just, you know, they get excited, they get after us, they're 
kind of in her face and all that. And we, I don't like that much, but <laughs> I would be too. But, but they're, uh, but that's the thing. I, but I'd say back to your original point, it's, it's the schemes, it's what's happening, it's how we have to adjust, and that'll go a long ways to helping us adjust in games. Because sometimes I've had it happen before when, when the DC had a, you know, really nice defensive scheme. Yeah. Uh, I think we had it a couple places like that, and it was like sometimes it was a pain in spring and fall camp. You're like, geez, we're going to do another blitz drill or another. But by the time we get into the year, and it'll happen up here too, someone will throw, uh, show a blitz and we're trying to identify it from the box and the kids will come over and they'll say, oh, that's just that. We saw that in the spring and we picked it up. And, and that's, so, so that's, that's the thing. And I guess I would compare it to, in some ways to, uh, well, like I said, the variety of the defenses and everything is gonna make us better in the long run. Makes for a tough day or two, you know, here and there, but I'd rather that and just get better at it. And, uh, but we're going to create some problems. They do a really good job. Well, your offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, has raved about the offensive line and certainly Kingsley and, and Connor and other individuals. And he said, I just feel like from an athleticism standpoint, this group is actually more athletic than the departing group. Why do you feel like that is the case? Well, some of it started like in winter runs and everything, just watching kids run and different things or watching them like with Paul and, and you know, some of those guys running on tape and playing. Part of it's that. But, you know, you just it starts with a guy like Kings, you know, moving him to the left side. And Blake was a freak. He killed the combine and all that. But Kingsley's no less athletic than Blake, I, I promise you. You know what I mean? So we haven't lost a tick there. And then when you just look, Connor be, you know, if he's a center or if he's a guard or if Paul's a center, Paul's a guard, they're going to be just another year better. Uh, you know, I think uh, whoever's playing left guard, I think, uh, or right guard, either of the guards, I think he's got a chance to run better and move better. I do. And then we'll see what happens at right tackle. But I think, a lot, it start, like I said, it starts in offseason and watching guys move and run. Uh, sometimes in the middle of a practice when guys are trying to figure out something, they don't run as well and everything. So sometimes, you know, just watching a play, you see a play looks ugly because the guy's not moving as well. But when they know what they're doing and, and we get everyone on the same page, it's really athletic group. Coach, we always like to cast light on the offensive line. They're guys that deserve more credit. So we appreciate you doing this interview and uh, taking the time with this. And hopefully, you know, while you're not going to be headbutting guys, there are more moments where maybe you miss a play call because you're excited. Uh, I'll, I'll continue to do that. And who knows, we make a big enough play maybe. <laughs> if you see me with a bloody eyebrow or something like that, it means, yeah, I got fired up. I headbutted someone. And, and uh, the trainers will look at me after we celebrate and sing the fight song. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Our guy Cam Meller tweeted out the following. Jaron Hall has met with almost every NFL team. Okay. What exactly does that mean? And that he says, expect him to get drafted higher than you might think. What does getting drafted higher than you might think translate to? It means what I said right after Pro Day. And after that throwing session he had, which was so good, where he looked so sharp and passes were precise and the ball was zipping. You could hear the hum of the football. It was so crisp and clean that session. I think Jaron Hall has probably elevated himself to high fifth round. Maybe he even sneaks into the fourth round. That'd be good. 
You're in the fourth, you're getting picked by a team that wants to put you to work. For sure. And that needs you, right? They, they clearly want you. I mean, think, Tyler Algier, fifth round pick, Dave. Yeah. Think the Falcons like him? They do like him. Absolutely. They like all 1,000 yards. <laughs> well, was it 1,035? A little more than that. Yeah. yeah. Well done. College Football Report has ranked the BYU-Utah football rivalry the 12th best rivalry in all of college football. Is number 12 too high, too low, or just right? I think it's pretty cool when you look at the games behind them. They have uh, USC and UCLA at 13, Oregon-Oregon State at 14, and then some of the matchups in front of them. A lot of SEC battles have been going on for years. Uh, number 12 feels good. And then what else is gonna feel good? Next season. Not this season, but next season when the rivalry's back sure. together. I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I feel like people don't understand just how volatile this thing is. Like, if we could pull up the list one more time, I feel like BYU-Utah deserves to be a top 10 game. And I also take issue primarily with the fact that Army-Navy is number five in this list. At worst, Army-Navy is number two, Dave, probably behind Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah. The Iron Bowl at number three feels right. Texas-Oklahoma at four. BYU could probably be somewhere in that seven to 10 range along with Utah. I feel like College Football Report who put out this list, they've got some Florida bias here yeah, because there there's a lot, a lot Gator of Gators games. and a lot of Seminoles up there. And I don't buy into Miami, Florida State being the seventh best rivalry because those teams just have not been good in the last decade. Yeah. It's just different now. Yeah, number 12, I'm glad it's in the top 12. It's good. Because there's some it's big good. games behind them, but I'm just eager to see that game back. I think top 10. Remove one of those, one or two of those Florida games. Yeah. BYU really time to top 10. Big game Boomer, Boomer released a list of the top 100 greatest running backs in the okay. 21st century. And in at number 71 is Luke Staley. Luke. Is that a fair ranking? And are you surprised that Jamal Williams isn't in the list? It's because Luke Staley won the Doak Walker Award. Like, I'm sure that big game Boomer looked back you know, over the century, the 21st century, the last 25 years or whatever, 23 years, and saw, oh, Luke Staley was a Doak Walker Orban, and he on. has to be in the list. And he did, he put up his crazy numbers while not playing in multiple games that right. season. He broke his leg, so he didn't play in the bowl game. Right. And he had to set out a game earlier because they were worried about maybe he had accidentally broken like an NCAA rule or something, which turned out he didn't. But he, he did it in two fewer games than he could have with those numbers. So I think he deserves it. Jamal, he probably needed to have, you know, a 14 or 1500 yard rushing season at BYU. And he never did that. Tyler Algier did that. He did it. Right? He did it. Jamal got more than anybody over the course of his career at BYU. Algier got the most in the season. And, uh, and then there's Luke Staley, but uh, Staley was awesome. No question about it. I'd like to think that Williams could have popped in there somewhere. Okay. Even, hey. even at 100. The SWAT, yeah. There's always room for J-Swag Daddy. <laughs> there uh, has to be. <laughs> Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze has floated out the idea of playing spring exhibition games against in-state schools. This is unique. If this were the case, which in-state school would you want BYU to play a spring game, like an actual game against. Southern Utah or Utah Tech. Okay. I think it's a great idea, and they're all on TV anyway. Let's spice it up a little bit. 
Hey, we'll Let's come to your place plays. too because it's probably going to be warmer down in southern Utah. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, Utah Tech and St. George in April. Why not? I think he's onto something there. I like it. I li there are enough FCS programs in the state yeah. to accommodate the FBS programs. Can up the budget a little bit. Yes. The FCSers. And Weber State, Utah Tech, Southern Utah, all available for BYU, Utah, and Utah State. Bring it on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. All right, Hugh Freeze. I'm on board for that. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The champs are here. Uh, thanks for being on the show, and congratulations on the national championships. Thank you so Thank much. You. Okay, let's start with you, Lauren. Uh, Lauren, there's yeah. a Lauren and Lauren. There's Either always way. that conversation. Yeah. Either way. Mom calls me one. Dad calls me the other. So. And your preference is? I say Lauren. Lauren, it is. Yep. Um, okay. This was your last go. Yes. Uh, fifth year Cougarette. You win two national championships. What was it like? Absolutely incredible. Um, these years on Cougarettes have been amazing and kind of like life-altering years for me. And so to be able to leave on top, I think is a perfect exclamation point and I couldn't have asked for a better week. And Abby, this was it for you as well after yeah. your fourth year. Um, winning both obviously was the goal, right? And you guys did it. Right. And I would say every single year it gets harder. The more you win, the harder it is to keep winning, right? The expectation is set. Yeah. So coming off of two wins last year, like we did not expect this to be easy. And honestly, like I didn't, think that we could do it no. like I well I did but you know it's hard to win two two years in a row congrats have never done that before oh you would come away with single titles yep but two two years in a row was new it's never happened wow yep. so for this to be the it was just yeah it was felt so amazing the standard's so high for you guys we expect right. you to win the national championship what kind of pressure do you feel and maybe is that positive pressure in any way of like hey we are the best we're going to win this but like you said you just Carved out some new ground here. Yeah, I'm think, I think it's a lot of positive pressure. Yeah. Um, with anything great and risky, there's going to be pressure. But each year we come back and we try to elevate what we did the year before. And so last year we put on some incredible routines and took some you know new steps that were scary and we didn't know how the judges were going to take them and it went really well. So we're like, okay, for this year, we got to innovate. We got to do something harder. We got to change our choreography to make it more stylized. Like we're always adding little things. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's really cool. It's fun that like, we really are just competing against ourselves. No, yeah. Like everyone else there, they, um, they bring amazing things, but yes. when you're the reigning champion, it's like, who are you trying to be other than the reigning champion? So it's like every year we're just trying to be better than our routines were the previous year so that we can continue to be on top. So you felt like you had to elevate your own game as opposed to you against the field. Totally. Right. Yeah. That's interesting, too. And similar, I guess, the only other sport that could compare that we kind of covered, right, is gymnastics, where it's like, well, we're just trying to do our best. Hopefully it's better than yours. Yeah. Right. Yep. But it's not head-to-head, -head, yeah. which is interesting. Who's your next closest competition in, in both? In categories? both? I think it varies depending on the year. It does change. Yeah. This year in hip-hop, it was Boise. And in jazz. And in jazz. Boise State, BYU. Yeah. Which is so fun. That's awesome. Boise yeah. State looked so good. Yeah. We like, like she said, the competitors are a little bit different every year. So sometimes it's Louisville, sometimes it's Texas Tech, like kind of just depending on the year. But Boise showed up this year. They looked so good. It, yeah. 
It's fun to kind of try and beat the best, right? And compete against the best. And so we want everyone else to do an amazing job so we right. can rise above. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not like, okay, we're targeting so-and-so. It's looking in the mirror. Totally. More so. 100%. And, and sort of history. Right. Yeah. Like, is, is that a thing you feel? Like, okay, we win every year. We got we to gotta do this again. We can't be the group that doesn't win it. Right. That's sort of a negative yeah. mindset, right? But like, yeah. you want to keep streak going, right? Right. Totally. I think there's an expectation, mm -hmm. like you said, to to go out there and do an amazing job and, and win. And and so we just try to level up yeah. every year. If we don't look better than we than ourselves were the previous year, they're not going to give it to us, right? Like, they the want to see a level up. The judges are holding you to your own standard yep. from mm -hmm. last year. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Daytona Beach. Obviously, we've had a lot of snow. Yes. How awesome was that to get out of that and go amazing. to Daytona Beach? It was amazing. amazing. It was hot. Oh, yeah. Probably my hottest band shell experience. Agreed. Like too hot? To where you're like, well, now wait a minute. It's hot. I'm going to go back yeah. to the snow and feel okay. When it's yeah. time to dance in it, it's a little too hot. Yeah. But when you're on and the you're beach outdoors, playing. Right? For finals in hip hop, we compete outside. You're outside. Yep. So yeah. pr prior to that, were you indoors? Yes. And then you sort of display to a, maybe a bigger crowd or something? Mm. Is yes. it on the beach? Yes, right oh, on the beach. Nice. It's nice. so fun. It's filled with people just in the audience and standing room. And then also you can see people on the beach who are like looking over. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Yep. yep. That's awesome. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, for this program and sort of what it means to win these national championships, when you win and then you win the other one and you take the photo with like the two <laughs> flags, right, and the trophies. What, what does that mean to sort of have that culminating event for the program, for you, for BYU Cougar Ed history? Do you want to start that one? It is so rewarding. Like we, I don't totally think anyone other than the girls on the team and the coaches, like the girls who go through it will understand the amount of work that goes into it. Um, I think since we win a lot, people just assume, oh, well, then it must be an easy task and it, it must not be a big deal for you guys. But it is so hard. Like, Every morning, every in our practices, we are working our butts off. So um, to like have that pay off, like it just, it's the greatest feeling ever. It feels like it's all worth it. Like all of the tears, all of the injuries, everything, like we did it for something, you know? Will you give me a sense of what goes into, like what's your schedule like? How, how what's the practice regimen? We practice about three hours, um, Monday through Saturday. Excuse yeah. me? Like 18 hours a week? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's just kind of like the base. Yes. And then a choreography, that's the base. a choreography week is, is a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. um, or even just for example, when we got to nationals, we had a Wednesday of practice. We did about 10 hours just in that day, Wednesday mm. of just practice. And wow. I think that's one of the things that helps us be so much better in each year is we practice so much. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, is Charlie Bird hanging out with you guys? Oh, right? yeah. I saw he was there. He yes. was. We love Charlie. That's awesome. Yep. He's he's really good at getting the crowd so yes, hyped. He's so fun. He is he's so still good got at it. it. Like oh, he, yeah. Was he doing a master's or something? I swear I saw him yes. a couple years ago around still. Yep. That's awesome. He was on the cheer team last year. So I think yep. that's kind of fun for him to be around. Like support still cheer, got it. Support the Cougarettes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's very cool. Um, it, like when it's your turn, I think in the what? Second quarter at football games? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is between. that like... Is that like the big time for sort of the, obviously you want to win the national championship, but yeah. like to, to the home crowd? Right. Is that like, okay, every home game, we got to bring it? We got to bring and it. And Cosmo? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I think one thing we love about football is that it's a huge crowd. Yeah. And so. And they know too, like, they're like, oh, cougar time. 
Yeah. Yes. Let's watch. Yes. They're not like going to get a cookie tail. They're watching. Right? Yes. Yeah. Right. It's it's so fun to get to perform in front of so many people, and the environment is so like I don't know. I feel like I dance better when everybody's cheering and so oh, excited, yeah. and that helps us, I think, prepare for nationals too, is dancing in front of those huge crowds. Oh yeah. So yeah. Dude, talk to me about the relationship with Cosmo, because you guys go viral. Cosmo goes viral. Are you expecting like okay, any moment like everyone could see this routine? I mean, honestly, that's the hope. Like, yeah. we want as much exposure as we can. So we're trying to put together the best routine so that the most people can see it. And Cosmo kills it every time, so that makes it easy. Yeah. Like, Cosmo he, crushes it. He's amazing. He's the, he gave my son a huge hug on Saturday up in the oh. stand. I love Cosmo. We all <laughs> love Cosmo, best. right? You guys are the best. Cosmo is the best. Okay, what is the mm. sort of message to the next group now that you guys are done? Like, hey, car carry this torch. But, like, what, what would you say to the next group? Or do they already know? I think, I think there's an expectation, um, just even when you come to auditions, I think people want to be part of this winning team with a huge legacy. Um, this year, our team theme was to lean in and look up. And along those lines, leaning into the hard things and those hard moments, but also leaning into each other and then looking up to Christ and praying in those hard times and remembering why, why we have this opportunity to dance. And so I think it's important to keep your focus in the right place and remember why you're here so you can come on and nail it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's well said. Um, and when, speaking of that, like it's a private Christian university affiliated with Church Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. On the outside, there's certain stereotypes associated with us here. Then you go and win hip-hop. <laughs> what is that like being there, winning hip-hop? Because I, I look on Twitter even, people are like, whoa, BYU. Like every time, people are surprised. Mm -hmm. What do you see, Abby, when you sort of shatter those stereotypes? Right. I mean... It's fun. It's, so it's fun. fun to like have almost the odds against you. Not that anyone's really trying to bring us down so much, but the perception. Yes, yeah. to break the stereotypes, like it just makes it all that more, you know, exciting and epic. Or, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, how's uh, Cole's been banged up on the baseball team? Yes. He's right? Yes. Talked to him Saturday. Sounds yep. like he's doing a little bit better, but uh, it's been a rough season for the guys. But they had a nice. Series win over the weekend. They played tonight. Yep. I think they've had just a lot of injuries this year. Like, it's just hard to get back up out of those. And so I think as some of their starters start to come back, you know, we'll be able to see some more wins, hopefully. Yep. We'll see. And let's see uh, tonight against Utah Tech <laughs> yep. uh, on the BYU TV app. Okay, Varsity TV did a documentary called Holy Hip Hop, yep. which is like the greatest name uh, ever. <laughs> so um, it's out. What did you guys think of sort of what they showed of BYU, Abby? Um. It was fun, but I definitely think they might have, you know, intensified a little bit of the vibe. You see the trailer and you're just like, the Cougars are scary. Like, those are scary coaches. I don't want to be in that practice. Morgan's super scary. I'm just kidding. I mean, I know Morgan. Our practices are intense, but I do think there was a little bit of TV involved, yeah. which is okay. It made it fun and exciting. Yeah, yeah we've never dramatized anything here either. Oh, never. But people right. should go watch it and check it out? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it gives you a little bit of an inside scoop on what our – our nationals time looks like and yeah. what that preparation looks like and how we change from prelims to finals because there are alterations that happen because mm. we're in a subjective sport. And so the judges will give feedback, hey, we don't love your costumes or we don't love this type part of the dance and we need to change those things and make adaptations in order to win and improve. Wait, so do you have multiple costumes options just in case those? <laughs> we wish. No. We wish. This year we, we did some cutting. To did switch some it up. Some gluing, yep. some sewing. All of the Seriously. parents were in there. Liz yep. Darger was in there. Liz helping. was helping out. Oh, yeah. Wait, For a costume change. Yep. 
This is this is like a, a prom for a yeah. year old in Utah. Oh shoot, I gotta add a sleeve. No, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah the judges wild. didn't like the costumes and we yeah. wanna win, so we wanted to listen to the judges. So after prelims we made some changes and they liked it. Adapt they or liked die. the changes. Yeah. So you, is that something you didn't expect? Like, no, wait a minute. We were thinking you'd come in on our routine. Costumes. That's, a, a, that's part of yeah. the deal. I think with being, you know, on top and being so great, you kind of have to have every little thing. Not necessarily perfect, but the best it can be. Mm -hmm. yes. And so when there's something to the judges that stands out and they're like, oh, we can't see your movement as well because of this vest. Oh, okay, like a good rational reason. Yeah, yes. yeah. Then we make those we make those adjustments. Yes. We, we didn't like win. that uh, Pantone. Not cute. Really. Yeah, wait a minute. Not cute enough. That's funny. Well, congratulations on uh, two national titles and going out on top. And uh, thanks for coming in the studio, Lauren and Abby. Thank you. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. College Hoops Bracketologist Rockwell Miller reports BYU and Arizona State are two of the four teams who will be in the Wooden Legacy, a multi-team event or MTE this year in Vegas. Are you good if this is BYU's MTE? Absolutely, as long as it doesn't involve like elite level teams besides Arizona State. Arizona State's not exactly elite level. I, I just don't want it to be too hard. BYU's um, gonna face Plenty of difficulties. Well, I want one T MTE where it's really hard, and then I want BYU to mail it in um, to try and get at least 10 wins um, in non-conference. They will not be prepared for Big 12 play no matter what happens anyway, mm. but you need a bunch of wins going in to give yourself a shot at being in the NCAA tournament. Here's where I probably don't want the other difficult teams in that specific tournament, because BYU is going to play Utah and Utah State probably. And San Diego State Utah. is up, up reportedly already on the schedule. Yeah, so you're probably good. But Utah State is going to be perhaps rebuilding it with the new coach. Utah uh, didn't make the NIT. Easier the better in the non-con. Did Utah make the NIT? I don't think so. Man. I don't <laughs> no, pay attention. They didn't. To West Virginia sports blogger and Twitter personality at MHVer3 tweeted yesterday, quote, heard from a source that Colorado's board may vote on leaving the Pac-12 as early as Monday. Rick George, Colorado's athletic director, responded on Twitter, quote tweet, saying, there is absolutely no truth to this tweet. Jerem, what does it say that athletic directors are now responding to expansion Twitter speculation? Sensitive much? Yeah, I, that's pretty funny. I can't wait for Tom Homo to just be quote tweeting like, no, chocolate uh, cougar tails are not here to stay. Um, yeah, certainly there's a level of sensitivity there with the Pac-12. Well, he's not alone, Rick George, because Mark Harlan of the University of Utah has quote tweeted some other yep. things. Notably, give me a break yep. to some other expansion news. Is Rick George even a, a real name? Speaking of the Big 12 Pac-12 relation, Coug Connect, one of the NIL providers for Cougar Sports, created a billboard that says, this is CW country. Hmm. What do you think of this level of trash talk? I think it's hilarious, but I don't like that it's associated with BYU. Uh, agreed. I would have preferred if it had Utah stuff on it, honestly. <laughs> like, Because this is ESPN country. I know it's Coog Connect, but even if it just says, this is CW country, and then like the website below, CoogConnect.com, it doesn't even have to say anything else. Yeah. Like, this is, everybody knows. Yeah. If you know, you know. I, I would rather have it associated with Utah, given the Pac-12. Rumors about TV rights and so on. I, I, you know what? 
A for effort uh, on the <laughs> trying to be fun. And I know the Coconut guys are great. Yeah, it's I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's just, funny. I think it could have been funnier with yeah. Utah. All right, the next topic from our guy Jason Shepard, who posted the following. A yep. picture of a BYU cornhole set. Okay. For sale at a Target in Denver, Colorado. Shep went to go see the Cardinals play the Rockies. Going back to Colorado, Jerem. Yeah. Oh, that's where you went, Shep. Is this a further sign that Colorado is Big 12 country? I think Rick George just tweeted that no, it is It is not. <laughs> Do you own a cornhole set, by the way? I don't. I don't either. I know Ben, uh, Ben, did you make your own, our producer? That's pretty cool. I would like one, though, like a BYU one. That'd be awesome. I probably should. In fact, my brother-in-law, Mark, who made the skateboard a while back that I brought yeah. the longboard, yeah, he's cool. a master woodsworksman, um, and he makes cornhole sets. A woodworker? Woodworker. Yeah, I should, I should have a, a, a I don't know what they a, call it. Yeah. A, a craftsman with wood? I don't know. Carpenter? A car carpenter? <laughs> what? Question mark? A master carpenter? Yeah. Okay, he's really Shout good out with, to the he's master really carpenter. Good with woodworking. He's made some BYU and like college cornhole sets, so I should ask him for it. Like, we should probably have it in the studio. Yeah. Reminds me of, uh, you know, Beavis and Butthead a little bit there, but that's okay. Okay, Salt Lake is making a bid to become a Major League Baseball expansion market. Would you abandon the Orioles? To embrace a new local expansion team. No, it's I don't like have. That. No, I don't have to abandon my favorite, lifelong childhood favorite team, to support a new team. I would, I would root for a new team in Utah because of where I live. But no, I'm sticking with the Orioles. <coughs> They'll always be number one to me. The number one. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I wouldn't abandon the Mariners. No, I grew up with the Orioles and Cal Ripken Jr. as my hero. Like that's not going away ever. So, but I'm happy to host uh, Utah team is number two in my power rankings it'd personally. Be, it'd be sweet if MLB right. got, uh, you know, came to Salt Lake. That'd be awesome. That'd be fantastic. And the Mariners and the Orioles would come to Salt Lake City. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.